0: Welcome to the Board Everyday Podcast. I'm your host Dan. With me today are Sean, hi, and Don. Hey, what's up, Sean? I'm sorry I edited out your voice at the end of last time I'm not, podcast, but I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I thought it actually worked. It added something. Yeah, it was got, better than the popcorn. It was better. The popcorn was not really Didn't translate. Yeah, so yeah. I decided to go peanuts instead
1: of popcorn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was kind of as we approached that in my listen, I uh, I tend to. Fire up my download and drive around or walk around or whatever. And as I was getting close to the end, I was like, "Oh, this is the popcorn thing. I wonder what he's gonna do."
2: Then he laughs. Sarge so at a tree. Yeah. I don't
1: know.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know. While I While walking,
2: <laughs> I <just> threw
0: myself. <laughs> hey, what? What's up, kid? <clears throat> uh, I had. Uh, uh, I met up with Ryan Royer today. Wait,
2: stop. Are you in the world where you think someone's gonna call you kid?
1: I was wondering if you were going to let that slide. <laughs> hey, kid! That's, uh-huh.
2: that's, why he that the yeah. that's why he dyes his hair. That's why he dyes yeah, his hair. Yeah, I get that all the time. Yeah, that's oh, I'm why sure. Why shave my head? Yeah.
0: <laughs> so we had a, uh, you know, 2016 was the year of celebrity deaths, but uh, the past week was, was fairly rough. Uh, two big ones for me. The first uh, that I'll talk about was Roger Moore dying just the other day. That one was, I mean... 89? 89. So it's not like, so he's a it's not like right, he, he wasn't lived a spring. good life. But the point was, he was uh, uh, you know, such a, a big part of my childhood. He was my first bond. Mm-hmm. Probably both of yours, too, yeah. uh, given the years that he worked. Yes. And uh, probably until Daniel Craig was my favorite bond. I really liked Pierce Brosnan. He but, was fun, but. He but never he didn't have clicked what, for me the way right he didn't yeah. didn't have what Roger Moore had uh, and I really liked the stories that you you shared weren't those great there were a couple of people that that shared stories of uh, interacting with Roger Moore um, and one of them was great where this guy meets him when he's a kid he was a little kid and meets Roger Moore um, and Roger Moore he asked him for his autograph and the kid was like eight and looked at it and he's like he didn't sign James Bond I don't understand. Um, and so his grandfather went over and was like, listen, you didn't sign James. Can you sign a James Bond? And Roger Moore motioned the kid over and said, look, I couldn't say it right, you know, out loud, but it's because Blofeld might be listening and I can't, it's the name I have to go under. So that was really cool. But then like, you know, movie magic forward 30 years and the guy is in some sort of showbiz and is working on a set where Roger Moore is. And mentions it to him and Roger Moore laughs and he's like, Well, I don't remember that, but that's really great that you do and that it was a, a big part of your life. Uh and then like right at the end of the day, as Roger Moore's leaving, he sees the guy, he walks up to him, he's like, I do remember it, but Blofeld could still be listening and just walks away and it's like, see, that was he was he was a class act. He really was. It's a real shame he's outlived Sean Connery. <laughs> I I agree with that. It was just
2: disappeared into... I'm s- pretty sure his health is not... I, oh, great. yeah. Talk uh, about a guy that probably spent a lot of his life with a bottle in his hand.
0: Yes, it is a shame he outlived, uh, or that Sean Connery outlived him. Um, you know, Connery should have gone first, but what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Got to keep an eye on the rest of them. I'm sure Spectre will uh, will go out and get him. But, speaking, speaking of keeping an eye on the rest of them, the there's other... only one... The other death... What are you L- talking about? What? There's only one left to keep an eye on. Uh, are, are you segwaying? Or? Eddie Vedder yeah. is the last one standing. So, oh, speaking of... There ocean. were, you know, almost inarguably, there was the big five of grunge. Uh, and it was Stone Temple Pilots, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, um, Soundgarden, and Nirvana. Kurt Cobain kills himself in 94. Uh, Lane Staley, drug overdose... Mm -hmm. in 2002 he was fun Scott Whalen overdose 2015 and now Chris Cornell suicide in 2017 so I really hope people are doing like health check-ins on Eddie Vedder on a regular basis it uh, that one I don't know I'm still trying to it's one of the
1: ones that I wasn't well it's not on my radar to be thinking about like oh what's gonna happen when Chris Cornell dies but that when it became a reality i was like oh jesus like this matters a lot more than i thought it did and seeing just like weird stuff happen that recognizes how large an impact someone has like there was a there was a baseball commemoration type thing i'm you're looking at me like i'm crazy but uh Mm -hmm. no i saw i saw a, a news article about one of the teams doing... Oh, Detroit, because he died in, yeah, in yeah, Detroit. Yeah. yeah But it's like, when you're a big enough entity that...
0: You're Major League Baseball. He was a big enough entity that my mother has uh, a Chris Cornell song. Huh. It, it And this speaks to how amazing of a vocalist he was. Uh, it's him doing Ave Maria on huh. the Very Special Christmas 2, I think, album. Um, and it... <clears throat> excuse me. The, the funny thing is the five bands we mentioned, with the exception of Scott Wyland, Wayland, 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 Wayland I said Wyland, Wyland with the exception of Scott Lyland, the other four were almost universally thought of as the best vocalists from that era of music, uh, male vocalists. yeah, least. I think
1: I think Cobain is uh, an acquired
0: taste, but is very, very like right. they're all acquired tastes. Oh, oh, they very much are. I mean, the whole grunge or Seattle sound. I know. Yep. I know the word grunge got really uh, vilified for a long time, but uh, you know that whole genre of music is sort of an acquired taste. I mean, we happen to grow up in it, which is why it's much more of a uh, um, you know a, a thing that we're okay with, or especially me. But
1: yeah, but I bet I bet a lot of people today, like people, kids uh playing guitar hero or rock band. like they're playing those songs still they oh, have, yeah. they have a resonance that goes beyond
0: just the, the fact we grew up with it it makes me for and ed texts me on almost a weekly basis telling me i need to go get tickets to the primus concert and i tried to explain to him that i'm not really looking to go to concerts much anymore <laughs> however i would see pearl jam live i'd see the foo fighters I would really like to see the Foo Fire. Dave Grohl is just a fucking awesome dude. Yes. He's, like, the fact that he broke his leg at a concert, goes, gets a cast put on it, and comes back and finishes the show. Both both of those bands
1: I have seen um, and feel very fortunate for having seen. Pearl Jam, I saw when, like like, I saw them out of this obligation for how much I love 10 and some of the early stuff. And at the time I was kind of like, I don't know what I and it blew me away. Like they could have easily played a set that would have just made me miserable and hate them forever. And it was just,
0: well, you and I have discussed that at length. Like I, I, you know, 10 was amazing. It's, It's a seminal album. It's in my top three easily. Yeah. I mean, it's in my top five, uh, Versus was really good, and then Vitology was like, "What are you guys doing?" Uh, I, but then <laughs> but again, as I get older, I, I, I was going to say respect for that, right? I haven't do what you want to do. Was it no code after that? I think there's another one in there. Yeah, but, but I, I, I haven't gone back and listened to those. I probably should because my but taste. Binaural of... is very
1: good, which yeah. was later. Yeah,
0: got uh, That's the, the last one of those
1: that. I bought. Yeah, was it?
0: Yep. Have you you seen them? Haven't you? No, I haven't. Oh, I thought you went with them. <clears>
2: oh nope but so he died and it's tragic but we talked about the the big five and four of them bowing out early but isn't it almost getting to the point where it's better that way he's 50 he was 52 yeah you wait another like 20 years does it have the same impact when he goes
0: not at all Do people oh come on man i don't think so keith richards dies No one's going to be like, wow, that didn't happen 30 years... Well, I mean, a lot of people are going to say that, but... (laughs) Right, but that's not the impact you
2: want to have. Right. You want to have the, oh, it's the tragedy, and everybody's...
0: I would agree with you if he'd gone the Elvis route, and you had, like...
2: He'd already had the terrible part of his
0: fat, drug addicted. Right, but Chris that's Thorn the element. point: is
2: he's going. If he had lived, he would eventually have that. Right, they're well, still every, out touring. Everyone him. is going to eventually have that. I absolutely. I Except he doesn't because he died. Mm. You die a hero or live long enough to become the villain. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Harvey.
1: Thank you. Um, I saw Soundgarden twice. I saw Soundgarden in what was it, '96? 97, Lollapalooza. 97, yeah. Lollapalooza, and I saw them co-headline with Nine Inch Nails two years ago. Mm. And I I was expecting nothing out of Soundgarden. Like, I was going for Nails, and it was a, like, oh, there's that band that I used to love opening. This is going to be awkward. And they were great. Like, they were still really heavy. His voice was really good. Um, I mean, you mentioned his voice. I saw... All these bands covering, doing in tributes this past week, and they were all pretty rough. But like, there was one performance of Black Hole Sun where there were three different people trying to simultaneously cover all of the parts to that song. Yeah, because oh, he was phenomenal. Yeah, he was phenomenal.
2: But that doesn't doesn't that just reinforce my point that it's better that it was now.
0: I mean, yeah, how never, many more
2: years before people don't have this reaction?
0: Well, you still don't. It's 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 like uh, <clears throat> it's like the sorrow you feel when an athlete retires, of death. Well, sort of a professional death, right? Is yeah. it a football
2: player because that means they're close?
0: That's true. I mean. Sadly, that is true. Uh, you know, it, it's the end the end of something. But with musicians, I mean, look at Johnny Cash. You can go so 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 late into your life and still be very prolific mm-hmm. and um, it, I don't know I I don't know if I agree with you Don I mean I, I do understand what you're getting at but uh, I I still gonna miss him that was uh, I mean honestly like I was able to
1: forgive him for that <laughs> solo record and a lot of Audio Slave so yep. Like, he made it past what I would have considered the end of his career and was still doing stuff I was paying attention to and, like, whatever. An artist is an artist, and even if I'm not on board for what they're doing, yeah. yeah. You wait,
2: Eddie Vedder is going to ride it out another 25 years, and then he's <laughs> going to go and everybody's going to be like,
1: huh? <laughs> and
2: so- Keith Richards is going to be like, Damn.
0: So you could be right. You could be right. It was the right time. Over the last week, uh, we actually had the pleasure, Don and I, of playing Mansions of Madness. Uh, I know Don's looking forward to this. He's very excited to give his own hot take on uh, Mansions of Madness. Uh, I wasn't sure what you were going to think because it is cooperative, and I know you don't necessarily like cooperative games. I know the miniatures were neat enough to uh, kind of pique your interest. So, um, you know, what what were your thoughts of the game and uh, just like sort of a, a first take on it? You don't want to go first on your opinion on it? You don't want to do like T-Ball? You just hold it up and I'll just whack it? Well, no, I, I don't necessarily think we're going to have totally different opinions. Oh, great. Well, you played it solo long ago, right? Yeah, I played it solo. I played it with multiple people. Um, So, it's very clear to denote that this is
2: Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition because not knowing going into it then when I looked afterwards to try to understand these feelings that I had. (laughs) Oh, wow. I was very confused with what I saw online and then I realized this is 2nd Edition and it's completely different than 1st Edition. then it all made sense. It's a whole edition more. It is an edition more, and it makes a, I mean, it's a pretty big difference between first edition and second edition. Yeah, it's app-driven now. Right. So I would say without the app-driven portion of it, it's very almost Dungeons and Dragons like. And also the fact that you would need somebody running the game separately, of course. Mm -hmm. So initially the first thing that I thought of was the thing I can the hill angry betrayal at house on the hill betrayal at house on the hill um was the first thing i thought of just because it kind of has the same kind of follow to it with sure. like, the dark overtones and the building of the house as you go with tiles and whatever yeah but this one has obviously got a lot more depth to it however yes it's cooperative i don't like cooperative that kind of struck it down a little bit but that's fine i can always play through those that's not a big deal but the big change from Edition 1 to Edition 2 is being app-driven now is that it is so app-driven that it's... It's not an app-driven board game. It is an app with visual collectibles. With with physical components? Collectibles, man. You don't even need them to be in the room. I mean, the app builds the entire board for you. There's no reason for you to have it out. So, part of it was, there were three of us playing, but like... You had the app on your iPad, and you ran the app, and Daniel and I sat and watched, and there wasn't a lot of interaction. I mean, there was decision-making on my part, but that was it, really. I rolled the dice a few times. But it was very
0: much a a layer separated. Do you think it would have been a different experience had each person run the app on their turn? Yes. Yes. However, I also don't think the app, again, because I didn't
2: run it, I'm not certain, but I don't think the app was broken up well enough to walk you through easily enough to control it on your own turn because you'd have to be that familiar with it because it also isn't like step A, B, C. The whole how you attack the various creatures that are coming into the house is not straightforward at all, and so a lot of it was just going along with what you'd said, because it was not clear to me by what was given by the app.
0: I can understand that. You know, there's a lot of games where uh, it's very set in stone. When you attack, you attack with strength, and you roll this, and this is what you're going for. Uh, With Mansions of Madness, depending on whatever the app's whims are at the time, it gives you a different story, and you have to test a different skill based on whatever, and You're you're not always rolling strength. Sometimes it's will, sometimes it's agility. So I I can see how that would be disconcerting, I guess. It's not just that, like... I can completely understand the whole rolling on
2: different traits. But... It was not clear by the way things were worded in the app. As far as, like... When it's going to do three damage and you roll against to prevent... It wasn't clear that, okay, so it's a one for one, each star I get is going to knock off one versus two two to succeed completely, depending on what the condition was. Right. So I thought that was a little lacking, and also, like, the figurines were really cool, they looked nice, but immediately, like, first of all, the fact that you can't pick them up by, you know, you have the flat black base and then the big figurine on top, if you pick it up by that, it might very well fall apart. That's not great. and They were very limited. I mean, it's like, cool, there was like, what, 16 of them, 18 of them? Something like that. In like four varieties. Not enough. Not enough flexibility there. Not enough variation. And also definitely with the scenario we played through, we were only ever going to get three varieties. Right. We were going to see... I guess it was four varieties. I guess it was four varieties. But that's the other thing. The first time playing the game, I kind of knew what was going to happen by the time we were halfway into it. I knew it was going to happen every time. I knew when new things were going to show up. I knew what direction we were going in. Right.
0: The house wasn't that big. It was never going to be that big. So, I mean, it's very much a dungeon crawl type thing.
2: Yes. Yeah. But also the dungeon was limited. It wasn't very big.
0: Right. Well, so that's uh, that's Fantasy Flight's mechanism to get you to buy more shit. Oh. I also, mean, one other thing that always
2: bugs me is it says right inside of the box, 60 to 90 minutes. It's a two to three hour game. If you look at Fantasy Flight's website, it says it's a two- to three-hour game.
0: Hmm.
1: That's weird. Um, Judging from what I'm hearing here and nothing else, um, you know the the concept of a cutscene in a video game? There became a a thing probably five years ago where you would have these kind of side things Footnote conversations in every review about cutscene quality length interaction because people started going, What is a video game actually? And is a bunch of cutscenes where I push X or I push, a, you know, a random thing quickly, does that actually make this a game for me? Or am I just watching a cinematic and not really participating? It sounds like that's kind of what your qualms are. So, no, I think you definitely are participating in this, except
2: it's so app-driven, I'm participating by proxy. Okay. And the board itself, the part that I'm interacting with, I don't need to be there. I mean, the board is fully represented in the app. All the options are fully represented in the app. They actually are easier to use in the app, right, when you talk about, like, putting out the tokens for the question marks and the doors and all that stuff. It's so much easier to just have them in the app and just hit them walk put them on the board in the first place. If we could all see the app... You need to to move the
0: figures. The figures don't show up in the
2: app. They don't show up in the app. That is true, except also it's not tracked in the app. That's kind of like a disconnect there. Like a lot of things we
0: did in the app. I mean, you could just Uh, disregard rules completely. I can understand what you you mean by that. You know, perhaps in between the first and second segment, we should actually play a game. We should play Clank because Clank has an app option where you can, uh, I think it's like a lieutenant. Uh, I've played with uh, played Clank with the app to play solo, uh, but you can do multiplayer with the app as well. And I'm curious if that would be a different level of app interaction for you that would be a little more palatable than like the full-on Mansions of Madness or, I know you haven't played it, but Descent is very similar, where the app is really running the show and telling you exactly what's happening. I wonder if there would be a like a uh, a balancing act of okay, uh, you know if you have this much uh, app and this much actual physical manipulation, I'm okay with it. Now I have a question for you how much is the app? Which one? Nothing, never free nothing yeah, yeah
2: none of them are charging. Correct? Can they
1: support
2: the ability to put it on to link multiple devices because I think that would actually make it better if you could maintain the storyline the plot the game on multiple devices simultaneously?
0: Well, um, could they? Yes. Do they. Are they going to right mm-hmm. now? No, yeah. That's not All the board game apps that I know of are free. There, There is... Uh, Descent has a paid expansion thing um, called the Delve. What it does is it's uh, just sort of a repository, I believe, a repository for Fantasy Flight to dump a bunch of dungeons in there. And you can play through stuff and you can modify things. And it's sort of uh, a, a little bit like a, a pseudo dungeon creator from from what I understand. But these apps are all free. So it's not like I had to pay extra after getting the game to have the app to run it. Oh my god, the outcry for that would be ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the whole
2: reason this second edition exists, right? Is because the first edition had outcry from people just saying it was too much of a burden to have a an extra player just to run the show
0: to be honest with you i think i think half of it was that they wanted to capitalize on the solo gamers and half of it was that you didn't you didn't get the same enjoyment level or let me restate that i don't think everyone at the table wound up getting the same enjoyment level because with both the scent and mansions of madness you had either an overlord or a I forget what Mansions of Madness called it. Well, Um, I think Doorman. uh, Well, no, uh, yeah. But what wound up happening is you had one person as the game master constantly, and it was typically the owner of the game that was the one that was most familiar with it. And then they never got a chance to play the game as a player. And that was a massive complaint. But I think you're broaching a whole other conversation,
1: which is in these games that we're seeing uh, more and more of, at least recently i'm looking at gloomhaven where it owes some gratitude to rpgs that figure the the gm like i know people that are incredible gms that would would not really want to play like are not going to care so much about that role i think it gets into weird territory with this because yes it's a board game so there's the the standards of what does it mean to participate in a board game and have a board game night with friends and if someone ends up having to play that role it gets weird where Mm -hmm. it's like it's not necessarily a i don't want to say an unfair complaint but it's a component with this type of thing that is newer and doesn't have the kind of unspoken rule of like, well, yeah, there's a storyteller,
0: right? I, I I I understand that. There there, when I DM'd for you guys, I would much rather have been the DM than uh, than playing. I guess I, I enjoy playing too, but I can see how there are people that would want to just do that and just be okay with that. I I think there was a, I, well, let's let's call it what it is. It was a way for them to repurpose a, a title that had probably waned in sales and make it something that they could capitalize on again. And it, it, it certainly has been reinvigorated. I've, I had zero interest in Mansions Madness before because I knew I wasn't going to get it played. Yeah. But once the app version came out, it's like, oh, I can play this by myself. That's kind of cool. And I have, although I do... I will say that I don't know if I enjoyed it as much solo as I did with people. I don't think. Well, I know how good
2: my company is.
0: Oh, it was more Daniel than you. Yeah, I'm,
2: You're, uh, I am know that too. Yeah. Like, I'm demanding and a, difficult. a bit, A bit. And I enjoy the don't follow the rules thing. And you... You're going to come in here and fight this guy, right? Oh, yeah, sure. You start him up. I'll be right there. Yeah. I'm going to go
0: over here and explore this. Yeah. And then I died. But
2: that's because (laughs) I already knew how the game was going. We had already lost. We had not made it far enough. Had not got enough clues. As soon as the star spawns start coming out, we were not far enough along. That was it. We were done. We were not even at the last puzzle.
0: I actually beat the game. Uh, Beat that scenario uh, around the same spot that we were. We could have... We could have succeeded. We could have succeeded. I
2: would also say that the puzzle thing is cool, but the ones that definitely could uh, could be more easily solved with more time, it's awkward to try to play out with three people sitting around the table. It's like, all right, so I'm not really going to take my turn. I'm going to take this iPad over here in the corner for like 25 minutes and figure this thing out so I can get it in three moves instead of dinking around. But we didn't do that. No, we didn't do that. But that's specifically why that puzzle that I was on did not get beat because it's like, oh, well, I'm just going to try this, this, and this just to move the thing along. Not because I'm going to give a real effort on trying to solve this puzzle because that would take like 15, 20 minutes and then you guys can just go, you know, right? screw off for a while. Well, I, I, I see what you're saying. That is I the one thing that kind of drives me. Like the mastermind one was good. The whole pattern matching thing was good because it's easy to be kind of cooperative on that. But like the one where you're sliding, sliding the nine, or flipping the nine pieces to try to get the picture
0: correct, that is much more a solo effort. You can't, that is way too many. Well, and then there was one like, uh, the only thing I can think to describe it is like that game Rush Hour, or the puzzle, I guess Rush Hour, where you're moving the cars around to like get the red car out. But that one was also, uh, true, if that was more difficult, that would have been awkward with three
2: people looking at it. But because it was an early puzzle... They kept it fairly simple. Right, it was fine for the three of us to look at it because you didn't even take the path that I would have taken, but you were still successful in the roles you had because it wasn't that hard.
0: Right, <clears throat> would you play the game again?
2: I would give it another try. I would want to give it a try with five people. Hmm. I would want to push it all the way up to five people. Yeah, and I would also do it differently. I mean, we mostly, until the end, moved as a group. I would totally
0: fan out. Boy, I feel like you die though. I feel like you need maybe two groups would be okay. Like I, I just don't think going five people. It,
2: you think you're going to pull too many? You're going to pull too many, in.
0: right? You're going to spawn too many monsters, and then next thing you know, you can't fight them off on your own. You're but just we could have spawned enough. less
2: monsters in that game if we had taken the time instead of going off and exploring. We could have, right? There were the barricades there that we did not use. That's true.
0: That's true. That you know, oh, it's giving you a barricade. I wonder what that's for. Well, we all know what that's for uh it's interesting descent actually it doesn't flat out tell you but it's got a timer and if you're taking too many turns to do what you need to do it starts killing you hmm. uh it's, yeah that's pretty cool that's it. the other thing i didn't like about it is we knew what was going to happen as
2: soon as we didn't have any monsters to fight it's like oh well next time here comes somebody new just for the fuck of it they're going to turn up the level one so go ahead and look at the numbers on the little figurines you can figure out which guy's coming next and the theme is clearly just the underwater monsters, not the villagers. So it's not going to be the mob. It's not going to be the whatever the half mutant thing. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the fish-faced guy, and then it's going to be the Templar, and then it's going to be the
0: Star Spawn. You didn't hate it though. It was no. I didn't hate experience. it. I would
2: like to try again. I might like it better, but I would also want to run the app. Okay. And I would want to understand the app better because we kind of blew into it real quick. Because you don't need to know the rules that well because you've got an app. Right. I think this game right now for me is falling somewhere in between. It's either a board game that is over that is pushed aside by an app, or it's an app with a pointless collectible board game, right? It's somewhere in between there. It's the uncanny valley of board games. I can see what it actually is, <laughs> and that makes me feel uncomfortable.
0: I appreciate that you at least gave it a shot. Uh-huh. And and I would give it one more, at least. I know you couldn't make it, but Don, true to his word, on Sunday said, What do you want to play? Is there something you've been wanting to play? Because we had a day that was designated yeah, yeah, yeah. specifically for games. He would have been fine playing. And he, de- he would played a new game. But what did I also say? What's in plastic?
2: Well, I didn't hear you say that. I did. I looked around and said, What's in plastic? Oh. Because I figured that'd be the real thing. Is like, all right, let's pull some plastic off something. We got like six hours
0: here. I wish I'd heard that. We would have. Well, it'll never happen again. No. This Sunday, we'll do it again. It's a holiday weekend. I'm busy. No, you're not. You're just telling me that because you're afraid your family listens. No. At least you have a family. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! And they listen. They all gather around.
2: We turn on the fireplace. Robin gets all the kids. <laughs> Some pillows. The dog lays down. We get an old. I've got this hi-fi with some with the vacuum tubes. tubes. I got vacuum <laughs> tubes, right? And we turn it up, and you hear the crackle a little bit as you as the feed streams in. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we have. I have this thing set up with the app, so whenever it's loading, <laughs> whenever it's loading for the stream, it just plays just a little crackles. That's very nice. And, and then mean, we all
0: sit around and we listen. Meanwhile. Sean picks up empty twisted tea bottles and climbs in the back of his slowly chilling car and listens to it while huddling close to his dock. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the that's about where the, the term
2: three-dog night comes from, <laughs> is when it's really cold, you pile up with three dogs. He's got two more on layaway. Strays. I'll
0: also- bring him back tomorrow. Over the last week, the nominees for the Game of the Year, Germany's Game of the Year, the Spiel des Jahres Awards, came out. Now, it used to be very simple. They had one award. It was the Spiel des Jahres. Then they added the uh, the Kinderspiel for children's games. Uh, and then the Kenner Spiel, which is, um, I think they describe it as enthusiasts, um enthusiasts with familiarity of games that's the the game the award for them so the uh, yeah you you about to tell us yeah no how many are there five so there are three from each okay so there's nine total okay um i can guarantee you you haven't heard of anything except from the kenner spiel um, and Kenner is the enthusiast somewhere? Kenner is the enthusiast yes huh interesting so the well
1: did you expect you had kinderspiel lined up well I mean I would I wouldn't have thought I would have never heard of them
0: you might have heard of one of them so uh there's the mysterious forest this is kinderspiel uh, the mysterious forest translated name or is that is that a Ugh. Translated. they're all translated to a degree but um i mean it's Is, are it's these north american big, releases that's a difficult question to answer none of them originate in north america almost nothing okay. does okay. Uh, very 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 few things do um so the mysterious forest uh by carlo rossi captain silver by wolfgang durschel and manfred reindel hadn't heard of that one ice cool might be the one that you've heard of uh it's got penguins and it's sort of a dexterity type thing no anyway um brian gomez is the designer of that um so those those are the kinder spiel nominees uh the spiel de jaris i I probably shouldn't i don't know to me i i care more about the kenner spiel than the spiel de jaris um King Domino was the the first one. Uh, Bruno Cathala, Shadows over Camelot, uh, you know Seven Wonders, Duel, Cyclades, Five Tribes, very very <laughs> prolific uh, game designer. Uh, Magic Maze by Casper Lap. I hadn't heard of that one. And El Dorado, <clears throat> which is a, a Reiner Canizia game. Uh, and then moving down to the Kenner Spiel. Here are three games that I had heard of all three. Um, So, the first one I don't think either of you will have heard of, uh, which is uh, Exit the Room, uh, excuse me, Exit, which is Exit the Game, The Pharaoh's Tomb. Uh, It's a series of three almost escape room games. Like, you actually open it up and you do an escape room and you have to cut things up and paste them together and all sorts of things. So, kind of a neat concept. I'd like to try it out. The second. Is in here. It's right over there. It's uh, Raiders of the North Sea uh, by Shem Phillips. Uh, Raiders of the North Sea, uh, I really enjoy. It's a nice worker, a nice take on a worker placement game.
1: Now, weren't those simultaneously released? No, no, I
0: just bought them at the same time. I just got them at the same time. And the final Kenner Spiel Dejaris nominee is Terraforming Mars. Hmm. which I'm sure is going to just walk away with it. Uh, it it's really a slam dunk of a game. Um, and then they also have some recommended titles. Uh, and the the recommended ones, I'm only going to cover the Kenner Spiel, uh, the Big Book of Madness, the Grizzled, Captain Sonar. Captain Sonar is sort of an eight-person, not really a party game, but there's two teams of submarines, and each... each member that's four and four uh is a different station in the submarine and like if you surface uh the the person running the periscope can see things but when you run silent you literally cannot talk to each other it's, it's, it's funny yeah uh and great western trail is one of the other recommendations mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. okay <laughs> um, i was
1: waiting for that name to come up there was no way that it wasn't somehow It's only on a recommendation, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: So those uh, awards, the Kinderspiel is going to be announced June 19th, and the Spiel and Kennerspiel awards are going to be announced July 17th. Why? Why what? Why do they not do it all? I don't know. And not only do they not do it all at once, they're in different places. So June 19th in Hamburg is the Kinderspiel, uh, and then July 17th in Berlin is the Spiel and Kennerspiel. I'm guessing that they tie the Kinderspiel into some kid's event, like a, 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 some sort of a convention or, or, or something. But They do it on two different dates. Yeah, you're
2: probably right. They're probably tying it into events. Uh,
0: they, they must be. But uh, So those awards are, are you know the, the big thing mm-hmm. in, in, in the board game world. So it'll be interesting to see who wins. That's June? Uh, June and July, yeah. So it's going to be a while before oh. those get announced. Okay, July seventeenth, July seventeenth, and June nineteenth. So,
2: so he said the nineteenth. I I missed that completely. Okay, I didn't realize they're in two different months. Good God, um, not two days apart. They're twenty eight days apart. So it'll be interesting to see who wins.
1: Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: playing a game a lot lately. What game is that, Don? Clank! Yes. The deck-building adventure. Right. Clank's a deck-building adventure for two to four players, or one to four, if you have the app, created by Paul Denon. uh, First-time designer, Paul Denon. And it's a game that was sort of under the radar for me. I think... um, I I, I really don't know why, to be honest with you. Uh, Probably I have a weird... uh, uh, bias against deck-building games that try to incorporate a board because I've had a couple of bad experiences. So I think I saw it and was like, man, it's going to be trains all over again. And I was like, hey, Dan, have you ever heard of Clank? And you were like, stop coming to me
1: with your nonsense garbage, Sean. Well, to be fair, to you could this. come to
0: me and be like, hey, Dan, have you ever heard of this great band called Soundgarden? And I'd be like, shut up, Sean. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> the premise of Clank is that we are each an adventurer, trying to travel down into the dungeon to grab the dragon's treasure and then escape before the dragon kills all of us. And it's much harder than it sounds, especially when you play with someone like Sean. So everyone starts out with a a deck of ten cards that have some pretty generic stuff. If you've played a deck builder before, this is a very familiar concept. It's the same sort of thing as, as Dominion, for instance, where you start with... Uh, You know, a few cards that give you something, and then some cards that maybe don't do anything for you. And it's the same sort of deal when you look at Clank. You have a couple cards uh, that do literally nothing for you, uh, and then some cards that allow you to move or buy. The game progresses as such. You, you, You take five cards from the deck. You play them out, you can do any of the actions that you have there in certain orders. You have skill, which you can use to purchase new cards from the skill area. You have uh, little boots that are movement points that you can use to move through the dungeon. Uh, And once you start getting up further and buying new cards, you have swords, and those swords are going to allow you to... Uh, actually fight monsters which are going to give you coins or more skill or make other people have some sort of penalty, that sort of thing. Now, the name of the game is Clank. So there's Clank involved in most of your turns. And what Clank is, is the sound that you make as you proceed through the dungeon, the sound that alerts the dragon to your presence. This is represented by a cube, and you, you take a cube for each clank that you make, and you put it on the board in a specific area. Now, as we go through the game, we're going to reveal new cards. that you know We've bought this card for 3 skill, and we bring it into our hand, and we have to replace it at the end of our turn. And after a little bit, the dragon is going to wind up attacking. When the dragon attacks, you take all the clank that has accumulated in the clank area, you put it into a bag, and then you start drawing cubes out. Dragon Attack Right. Wasn't there a Queen song? Dragon Attack? Yeah. Ben You have Ben. You do. It, it's really distracting actually. Uh I am going to put Queen as the bridge in and out of this segment now. That's what I've decided. It's going to be Dragon Attack. <laughs> So as you progress into the dungeon, which is represented on the board, you're going to encounter a few different things. It's not just like a linear progression into the dungeon. You're going to have some paths which have a couple boots on them. This means you actually need two cards that have boot symbols on them, or at least I should say two boot symbols to move past that. It's just a very treacherous passageway. You have one-way passages. You can only move a certain direction in them. You have passages that have a little monster face on them. You will take damage if you do not have a sword to fight off the monsters as you move through there. You have passages that are locked and you need a key to get through. Or you can be a supreme idiot and teleport into a locked passage that's locked on both sides and not be able to get out. I may have done that once. I don't know. As you go down the dungeon, you're also going to encounter things like Crystal Caves, where you can move no further. It ends your movement because you're sort of mesmerized. Um, You know, there are spots where you can heal. There's a whole section uh, devoted to a market where you can buy some things. Uh, There's a spot where you can get monkey idols. Uh, And then there will be the artifacts. Now, the artifacts are the primary thing of what you're driving towards. The artifacts are typically worth anywhere from 5 to 30 points. And I say typically, because if you're playing with fewer than four players, you actually remove one of the artifacts, or more, from the game. The artifacts are what you're after. You can only carry one, with a caveat, and we'll get to that in a bit. But you go down, you grab an artifact, and then you get the hell out. When you look at the game board, there's actually sort of two sections to it. There's the part of the castle that's above ground, and then there's part of the castle that's below ground really what you need to do is make sure you make it above ground. Obviously it's good to make it out of the castle, you wind up getting bonus points for that, but you want to make it above ground, that's that's very important. So, you know, you're, we're, we're all going to take turns, we're going to go through, also scattered throughout the, the passageways are going to be secrets they're called, these are major and minor secrets. The secrets are going to be beneficial, they're going to do everything from uh, give you extra swords, like a potion that you can use for extra swords, they're going to give you healing abilities, Sometimes they'll just give you coins that you can spend at the market, or skill that you can spend to get new cards. Anything like that, those are going to be scattered throughout. But the main drive is to go down, grab an artifact, and get the hell out. Now, of course, there's the whole problem of the dragon. And as I said before, when you start revealing new cards after you buy some from uh, from the central display here, there's going to be cards that have dragons on them. Those dragon symbols are going to trigger a dragon attack. Now, the dragon starts out at a certain level, and it's typically two cubes, sometimes three cubes uh, to start, depending on if you're playing with two players or not. And you will draw two cubes from the bag. There are 24 cubes in there that are black that are the dragon cubes. Those don't harm anyone. But, of course, as I mentioned, when you create Clank, you put it on the board and then it goes in the bag. Those are going to start coming out. Down at the bottom of the board are health trackers and if a cube comes out that's your color, you put it there. If your health tracker fills up, guess what? You've died. Here's the thing about dying, and I kind of alluded to this a minute ago. If you die and you're below ground, you're below that grass level, guess what? You're dead. There's no score for you. You're not going to be doing anything else. Game over. If you happen to be above ground, When you die, you're still in the castle, but you're above ground. You will still get to score your final points at the end of the game. However, regardless of whether you make it out of the castle, you die above ground, or you die below ground, the first person to do either of those, any of those three things, starts the timer that will end the game. The very top of the board, there are five spots. Each of these spots Represents a dragon attack. Well, the five of the four of the five spots <clears throat> represent a dragon attack. So, what will happen is when you go out, you move your piece to the first spot. Then, on your turn, instead of taking a normal turn, you just go to the second spot and the dragon will attack. But you draw one more cube out, and then on your next turn, it's two more cubes, and then three more cubes. And then, if it makes it to the final spot, the dragon just kills everybody. So, that's you know, bad. <laughs> As you go through the market, I had I, I, I mentioned the market before. As you go into the market, the market will actually allow you to buy a few different things. You can buy a key, which will allow you to pass through the aforementioned lock passages. It's a good idea to have a key so you're not an idiot and teleport yourself into a spot that you can't get out without a key. Again, I did that. You can buy a crown. There are three different crowns. The first person to buy one gets 10 points, the second gets 9, the third gets 8. Or, you can buy a backpack. Now a backpack is, in my opinion, one of the best items in the game because what it allows you to do is pick up more than one artifact. The artifacts are always going to be worth a lot of points. You normally can only have one, so if you go and you buy a backpack, you can suddenly pick up two artifacts and probably beat everybody as long as you can make it out of the dungeon. Now, through all of this, the dragon is watching, and as we pick up artifacts, the dragon moves along what's called the Rage Track. If you pick up a secret that happens to be a dragon egg, the dragon also gets very pissed off and moves along the rage track. And what the rage track does is just increase the number of cubes that get drawn out of the bag when the dragon attacks. So all of that clank that you've been throwing in there when you stumble or when you use your, uh, what is it called, dash, uh, double dash, right? Dead run. Dead run, that was it. When you use dead run and you generate clank, but boy, you get to move fast. Well, chickens are coming home to roost eventually, and that dragon is gonna bite your ass. You know that—that's pretty much the game. You—you're gonna be taking your turn. You draw five cards. You play your cards. Play goes to the next person. Uh, once your deck's empty, you shuffle up. You—you you know, very basic deck builder stuff. If you do happen to make it out of the castle, you get a twenty-point bonus. So that's really cool. Um there's always some uh you know sort of uh, and i apologize for drawing a lot of parallels to dominion but i i i think it's a such a well-known property that it's easy to do um you know much like the estates and the provinces and the gold and the silver that's always available um there are the same things available in clank where you have the explorer and you have the mercenary and you have the secret tome and you have the goblin that you can always fight so um, you know, you're going to go through, you're going to buy cards, you're going to supplement your deck, you're going to fight monsters to get money. It's it's a really neat system where you're doing the deck stuff, but you're also interacting with the board. And, I mean, I think this is the, the part where I first segue into the review of, I, I'm thoroughly impressed with how well they pulled it off. He pulled it off. I'm thoroughly impressed with how well Paul pulled this off. It it, it's really well done. I was expecting it to be sort of clumsy, it was not. Agreed. I um I mean
1: we've we've talked about this at least thrice now, I think. Like not actually formally reviewing it, but it it was familiar enough, but also innovative enough that I was left going like what what else is out there that is kind of similar where you're incorporating a known mechanic or game style in in this sense deck building but giving it a new spin and i haven't gotten to play mansions of madness but like at least from from dawn's impressions initial impressions this is an example of someone that did that really well and doesn't leave you feeling like uh well it wasn't,
0: you know, wasn't really m- enough of this or... So that's always the danger, right? I, when you take a few known things and try to mash them together, it doesn't always mean it's going to be great. Yeah. It it Do you want to do uh, one thing really well or three things kind of poorly? It's like Ron Swanson's character in Parks and Recre- Recreation. Never half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. Well... They whole-assed this. The yeah. the you know, they really married the two aspects together well. I I don't feel like there's uh, too much of a disconnect. I I think the uh, the theme of the game, like with the board and the cards, I think it ties together fairly well. Um, obviously, I mean, you know, I I see where people are like, well, if you abstract this, well, if you try hard enough, you can abstract anything. Sure. Uh, but I don't, I don't feel like the, uh, I I feel like it's a nice balance of theme because the theme doesn't ask you to, uh, you know, make assumptions and, uh, not understand what you're doing as far as like, uh, this card says, I, I think of Dominion, you know, uh, this card says village, but all I care about is I'm getting two cards and a buy and an action. Uh, whereas with this, it's like, oh, dead run. I'm moving real fast, but because I'm moving real fast, I'm making noise. It it makes sense thematically.
1: I I also like the fact that it's a uh, it's pretty easy. Like it's conceptually quick to pick up uh like it's I don't want to say that it's light, but it's just kind of a a fun fare that is uh is something that I think most people are going to quickly embrace. Like it's not gonna throw up many obstacles and should it like if you're like oh like we really need to to see more intricacy here
0: you've got the flip side of the board and an expansion now is that that's correct so the the flip side of the board the board's actually double-sided the uh, standard side has a blue background in the sky the uh the advanced side if you will has a, a red background um the paths are all different the uh, market is more spread out. There's only one healing spot as a, as opposed to three. And then, yes, there's the Sunken Treasures expansion, which I haven't really even dug into yet, uh, that adds another board and even more stuff. So I think they've done a, a, a great job with balancing that out. And you're right. It, it's approachable is how I would put it. This game is so approachable. You know, Don, when I played this, you were actually one of the people that I thought of first because I felt like, I, I know you love Dominion, and that deck building aspect to me is is something that speaks to you and i thought that this would be a nice um sort of step up in that not, not necessarily complexity but a step up in that you're you're doing more with your cards than just this weird autonomous like engine generation you're actually okay i'm moving forward with this card and i'm uh burgling with this card sure that's a little eh, whatever i mean they give you skill points where you why was the priestess down there when what makes my skill maker come with me i don't know like that's it's a weird thing and but it i feel like it 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 was less abstract what were your initial thoughts on clank and how do you feel about it now so, I am a big fan of the game. I do like deck builders, and I like the way they've
2: set this one up. With Like you're saying, certain aspects of the theme do fit really well. Some of them are kind of out there. It's like some of the characters, there's no background to it, so you don't know what's going on. But some of the base steps of the three main aspects of the deck building, the, the burgling. So, the, the buying points, the attacking points, um, and the running kind of... It's an easy metric to keep track of, and it's good that it pairs well with the board. It's nice that they offer you two sides right out of the box, so you have a little variety there. Um, I think overall it gels together really well, and it's definitely very interesting, and I'd love to see more of it. Like you said, there's an expansion I haven't seen. I think that's good. I think they could take it a step further, but that's not necessarily something they have to do. I mean, right now it fills a lot it's very fun to play through and like sean said it's very light it's easy to pick up the theme is very straightforward the only thing i would say from your initial review is that the whole point behind going and getting the artifacts and the high point artifacts so far through my playthrough i've found that going for the high point artifacts doesn't work very well it really depends on how many people you're playing with first of all because that's another aspect of it that's great that you have to manage is keeping an eye on what everybody else is doing not just from when you look at dominion you always keep your eye on who's starting to buy the high the provinces vic- yes the provinces yeah. the high victory point cards early because as soon as you see see that happen on a regular basis you have to start getting together your end game whereas with this you really have to keep an eye on how far out people are going like when they go below ground are they just grabbing that first artifact or are they really exploring because you have
1: to be able to get the hell out of there quick yeah, but that being said, my first playthrough, I, I grabbed and got out and <laughs> had a long time by myself, and it didn't matter.
2: You only dipped your toes in. I mean, you were really brief. The last time we played, I really took a different approach. Like, previously, I kind of balanced my burgling and my running and my fighting all out, and it worked okay but not great. The last time we played, just three people... I really just totally focused on mobility. Um, yeah, and you did. Yes, I did. Yep. And it paired well with what came up for cards and the whole deck building aspect because we kept getting hammered with just you know monsters that you had to fight to clear the spots and nobody was doing it. And so it gave me the time to move around freely and not worry about you guys amassing too many points. And so I was able to go down, dip my toes just far enough to get what I want, and then I literally ran as fast as I could out of there did not suffer from having to put too many clank in because I did put a lot in, but we didn't have a, hit a lot of dragon draws early on, and so I was able to get points and get the hell out of there, and then watch the two of you die below ground slowly and painfully.
0: So there, there's two aspects of what you just talked about that I wanna, I wanna bring up. One. The randomness. Do you do you feel like the randomness of the card draw hinders the game, or do you think that it actually adds to the tension? No, I think
2: it's better, and I would actually really love to see an expansion that adds a kind of fourth aspect to it. I don't know what that would be, but I think as it is, it's pretty. I like when you look at the cards that are out there. It does not take a lot to decide what you want to get, what's worthwhile, and what's not, based on where you are in the playthrough. Like if it's early versus late, I would love to see a fourth thing added. Whoa. You know, you've got the the buying power, the fighting power, the running power. I would love to see a fourth thing I mean, added. Whatever I'll, it is, I'll tell you what
1: that is. No, the fourth thing would be opponent. Yes, versus like, the person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, absolutely right. So you're right. laying traps. You're doing things right. That I'm not just you're
2: actually engaging with the other players. Right, I'm not just on this adventure by myself. And you guys are also out there running around. I'm trying to put roadblocks. In front of you or
0: even trying to do a cooperative thing with you. That would be great. Also complex. That would be very neat. So I will tell you what the expansion adds. The expansion adds swimming. Some of the rooms are submerged. If you begin your turn in a room that's submerged, you need to surface. At some point during your turn, you have to enter a room that's not flooded. So it does add another aspect in that Mm -hmm. you can't just like plan out your path and move no matter what the... The consequences have to be you need to actually make sure you're hitting a room with air. But I would say
2: that still leans to the whole mobility thing, which, depending on the cards that come out,
0: plays into an existing strategy. Yeah. I think... So that was my first question, was about the randomness. And I I think it actually... Because not every card has a dragon on it. So every time you reveal a new card in the skill buy area... You're, you're not guaranteed a dragon attack. So I think there's always that. And, and even in our last game, we're like, oh, God, oh, God. It's like, oh, Right, because we are pushing a lot of clank. Right. The second thing is about play styles. So we actually joked around, Sean, that you're difficult to play with because you're a smash and grab guy. You went down, grabbed an artifact, and you're like, peace, and you were <laughs> gone, and we died. When we played with Laura and Robin the first time, you and I died, Don, but we died because we were getting greedy. And right, everybody just went to get whatever they wanted. I mean, you and
2: I got backpacks and we were going to fucking hunt around and get everything. Right. And that's why we ended up dying. Right. But that was at a relaxed pace. We died at our own pace.
0: Right. I think the thing that I love the most about this game is when you look at every you go to take your turn and you kind of evaluate where everyone is on the board. You're like, oh, we're all below ground, so we're good. And we're all fairly well below ground, so I feel comfortable moving a little deeper in and trying to grab something else for points. And then on one of your opponent's turns, they get six move, and next thing you know, they're above ground in two spaces from the entrance, and you're like, shit. That's
2: what I love about games anyways, right, is playing off the other people. And that's exactly what I did to you and Daniel. Mm-hmm. is that I went down and kind of rooted around and then pieced the hell out because all I built up was mobility. I only bought one mercenary. I did not care. I was throwing tons of clank with the dead run. I did not care because you guys were doing worse off than I was anyways because you guys, I don't know what the hell you were doing, but you were, you were pushing
0: clank all over the place. <laughs> That's a, it's a, a kind of a, a good synopsis of the entire entirety of my game-playing career. I don't know what the hell you were doing. Well,
2: can we revisit the scores briefly? No, you don't have to look it up. I got it for you. (laughs) It was 56 to 0 to 0.
1: It it was. Now, here is yet another example of a thing that we touched upon on the last episode. Dawn takes the things that I envision and does them. Like, because I wanted... I I was like, like, the first time we played... I thought, alright, I'm going to get this and I won't have many points from this, but if I get out quickly enough, I'll get those bonus points from from getting out. Whereas you had enough time to react and get out with me. He did whatever he did and left you in the dust and that was that. So, here's the difference. When you play games,
2: seriously, Sean, everybody's watching what you do in town <laughs> because nobody knows. You are the rogue. And when I played with Dan and Daniel... I went down, I hit the market, I kind of rooted around for a little bit to
0: make sure they did too, and Dan went right for, you went for the 30, right? I had to. By the time, I got stuck, and by the time I got free, I I wasn't stuck like I was the time with Kimberly and Matt, where I literally teleported myself into a room I couldn't get out of, but I just couldn't make it through to spots, and by the time I got down there, you guys had taken the artifacts that were easy to go to, and I'm like, well, fuck it, I'm going to go for the big one. Mm -hmm. It didn't work so well (laughs) It did not And so that was the point Is that you guys
2: went for all the points And I just sat there and built mobility Because I went down and only got 15 I got the 15 point artifact And also because you guys Were intent on digging deep You were drilling to the bottom of the earth There were the question marks left up top And I hit four of those guys on the way out Two of them were worthless But two of them were worth points Yep. And that was enough. I got, you know, a smaller artifact, but I got out first and I was able to hit stuff on the way back. You know, I bought the key, the artifact,
0: and peaced out. So I actually had a very efficient game of this after book club the other night. Uh, We played, uh, it was Daniel and Scott and Ben and myself. And what wound up happening, and it just the cards. Came through the right way for me. Uh, I was able to get five secret tomes and wow. the duke, the sorcerer. I don't remember which which one it is, but the one that gives you two. He is worth two points at the end of the game per secret tome that you have. So I wound up absolutely dominating in that game because i was able to do that and i made it out and that mm-hmm. 20 point bonus for making it out is huge but it is and i definitely got lucky in our last
2: play in that we had so many monsters come out in the in the available cards oh my god and nobody
0: was interested in fighting them well we didn't have the swords we couldn't fight them i think it was less that we weren't interested and in more that we literally could not fight them because it was three and four sword monsters at one point and mm-hmm. i would have no more than two swords. Right. I think, uh, and I was talking to Ryan from the Cardboard Republic, and he was saying, and I, I totally agree with him, the big thing about this game that is uh, that you need to be aware of, there's very few ways to cull cards from your deck. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like Dominion, some of the other deck builders, you have ways. You have ways to trash cards and get rid of cards. In Clank... There, it's few and far between. Mm-hmm. So you really have to be mindful of what you're buying because you're not going to get a chance to just kind of shuffle that shit out. Right. You don't trash a lot of cards. You don't draw a lot of extra cards. That's what Daniel seemed to focus
2: on was drawing the extra cards. And he did that pretty well, but it didn't help him any because it was still... Fairly low quality cards. I
0: think if he had had more movement, he would have been better. Like if he had movement scattered in there. Right, he we, had a lot of buy. We looked over at one point in the middle of his turn and he had literally 18 cards spread on the table from one turn because he just kept yeah, drawing yeah. and drawing and drawing and drawing.
2: <clears throat> but that thing, that's not a thing that's common in this deck builder. So you really have to focus on it. And I think that's what he was left with is all he had was the draw more cards.
0: When I look at Clank, I see. Uh, uh, the, you know, I don't know about perfect, but a very good marriage of the the deck building genre and the point to point movement genre, I guess, is, is what I would refer to this as. But it's it's really well done. I'm I'm thoroughly impressed with with how well this game is put together. I think it's easy to explain, especially if you've played a deck builder before. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, that is a
0: big part of actually, it. Actually, that, that's a curious point. That is a big part Do of it. you think if you hadn't played a deck builder before, this game would have been a little bit higher barrier to entry? Absolutely. We've already seen that with like Dominion, the
2: first time playthrough. People don't understand the flow of it. Right. I think that's true with all deck builders. Is deck builder's a different, you know. It's not a board game. It's right. a card game. Right. It's very different. Although I would say also. The youths coming up will not have a problem with that. Mm. If my children have shown me anything, they know how deck builders work. As my five-year-old has turned a deck of cards into Yu-Gi-Oh. Wow.
0: That's pretty impressive. He is big into that. You either need to put the cards on eBay or just your five-year-old. Well, one will gain more than the other. The cards. But he literally will come up with the deck of cards. But let's
2: duel! <laughs> he's got a whole system worked out. Do you play war with him? So that's basically how it started, was war, and then he's kind of figured out, okay, so now I know all the cards work, but the big thing in Yu-Gi-Oh! is, you know, you've got the cards and you've got the multipliers with the magic. So now the face cards have become magic cards.
0: Ah, that's pretty cool. Hey. He's done pretty pretty good. good. You know what? In 20 years, the three of us may be reviewing a game that your son made. You know, if I could just spend the 10 bucks on a deck of
2: Yu-Gi-Oh cards, you wouldn't have to do this, but fuck that.
0: <laughs> uh, I could just see the interview with him now when he wins the Kenner Spiel de Jaris, and they're like, where was your inspiration? Well, my father was too cheap to buy me a, an actual deck of Yu- Yu-Gi-Oh cards. You ever Damn hear a right.
1: story about why Dave Grohl plays the way he plays? He played into pillows.
0: Right. Yes, he played it. So he has n- he had no clue how hard he was hitting everything because he had to play into pillows to begin with. So then, because <laughs> they asked him in an interview, what's the difference between like the rock-style drumming and the punk-style drumming? Because he's considered more of a punk-style punk, yeah. drummer. And he's like, it wasn't intentional. It's because I, I was playing on pillows. And every, every time I've seen him drum, the only thing I think of is Animal. From the Muppets. Oh yeah, because absolutely. That is what he looks like.
2: But also to carry it forward, I mean, the Foo Fighters drummer is very good, and he has the same style. Uh, Taylor, Taylor Hawkins. Taylor yeah, Hawkins. Taylor yeah. Hawkins. Oh my god. He has the same style. It's the head thrash and just.
0: Yeah. I don't know how he hits anything. Well, <laughs> like, how does that
2: aim system work?
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's hilarious because when you see the interview with them, and uh, Taylor Hawkins is like, "Well, I mean, uh, you know, I'm." Sitting here with the best drummer in the world. And Dave Grohl's like, what? You're the best drummer in the world. And it, it, it's cute. Mm-hmm. But I, I think with Clank, I, I think the thing that to me is appealing is that while there, if you're not familiar with deck builders, there would be a certain barrier. I don't think it's a high barrier. No. I think the the thing this would have going for it over a, a quote-unquote typical deck builder like Dominion is the theme. I think you can tie those cards into what you're doing and have it make a little more sense. I think all
2: of the... I think the companion cards don't tie in as well, Mm -hmm. but that's fine. They don't need to, right? They don't need to. They they don't need to. You know that it's just there to solve a task, right? right? It's just there to provide an option in buying. But all of the movement kind of cards definitely tie in, and the sword cards mostly tie in. You know, the... Mercenary and stuff like that. Right, and some of the companions tie in that way. Mm-hmm. But some of the random companions that are just in there to offer you things that are rare that you don't get often, either it's the multiplying victory points or the rarely available hearts.
0: Um, they're just kind of tacked on, but that's fine. Does the random draw of cubes out of the bag bother you? No, not at all. I think that's the best part. I think it's great. With the joke that we've had lately, uh, Don will be yellow frequently, and there was one game where he's like, you spray-painted these and you know what they feel like, right? Uh, Absolutely. And then in the next game, I said yes, I actually did, and then I pulled four of mine out, and he's like, I think you spray-painted them the wrong color. Absolutely. I love that, the whole randomized pull thing. Oh, absolutely. Sean, what's your favorite part of this game?
1: Uh, I think I haven't played it enough, but from what I've seen, what I've heard you talk about, I think the pseudo... It's not its not random. You're not going in without a strategy, but the fact that different strategies and reactions to the other players can handily put you ahead, uh, I like that quite a bit. It's not, it's not such a um, just... There's strategy. I don't want to make it sound like it's Yahtzee, but, like, you have to evolve with the rest of what your group is doing, and that's fun to me, is that you're going to see the randomness, but you have a tact to how you handle the randomness.
0: I I do not like the term multiplayer solitaire, but this is... while you could argue the point that uh, you have four players playing their own game, that's not really true. Because while you aren't interacting directly with the other players, with the exception of a few cards where it's like, oh, all players add one Clank, you're not really interacting with the other players. You have to keep a sharp eye on what everyone else is doing. It's not like Dominion. Don, you mentioned, you know, you got to watch out if someone else is buying a province. Well, guess what? Unless you have eight coins in your hand, you're not going to be buying a province. So there's only so much you can do. Whereas with Clank... If I'm moving down and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go for that 20, and then I see Sean grab the 7 and start booking it back out, well, you know what? I'm going to be okay with the 5, and I'm going to go too because yeah. I want to get points. Which is why I think that that like possible
1: top-tier thing to strive for would be the kind of PvP element added in. Mm-hmm. I think that would be really neat. Maybe it would be a just disaster, but I think... Being able to somewhat engage a little more with the other people could make it
0: kind of crazy fun. It's fun now, but... That would be crazy fun. Yeah, crazy fun. Don, what about you? What's your favorite part?
2: So, I'm not going to say my favorite part because Sean kind of covered it. I think the whole, like, there's an hourglass and you can't see it. You know, There's a time limit to this game and you don't know what it is until it's Mm. almost on you. That probably is my favorite part. But also, a thing I like about it is with the chasms and the keys, the board is actually much bigger than it appears
0: to be. Mm. Yep. You just don't realize it until you get into the game. I mean, there's probably, what, 40 spaces on this board, uh, but fully uh, a third of them, you have to stop dead when you get in there because they're crystal caverns, you can't move through them. And, and Unless you have a special card that will allow you to. But again, those are pretty rare. The only other thing I would say is the one-way. The few
2: one-way spots are a little bit clunky. The fact that that just kind of randomly exists as a one-way is a little bit weird. And also, on both board sides, the tie-in to Loop Around, mm-hmm. Pac-Man style. Yep. Also a little bit weird.
1: Yeah, we never. I've never seen it used. Don's used it.
2: I've used it, but I honestly, until I was like, "Huh, what the hell am I gonna do?" Did
0: I realize, "Oh right, I can do that thing." Gotcha. It's yeah. For me, I think my favorite part uh, of this game is the the tie in between the success I should say of the delvers as we go in and we grab more artifacts and we grab dragon eggs and we grab that and the difficulty of the game because as everybody it's not like it's uh, linear and everyone's going down and there's always gonna be three cubes coming out of the bag or there's gonna be three cubes and it can go on I can have my turn and a dragon can attack and two cubes come out of the bag and then by the time it comes back to me again, if there's a dragon attack right before my turn, it's very possible that four or five cubes could be coming out of that bag. And I think that, to me, is one of the best parts. How it can just ramp up so quickly from next to nothing to, holy shit, we're going to die. And then everybody starts scrambling. To, to me, that's, that is one of the, of the things that weren't already mentioned. That is one of my favorite things about this game. And that goes directly to replayability. Oh yeah, it's different every time. It, it really you can is. Play it over and over because even if we were to play this front side of the board five times in a row, we're going to play it differently each time. Yeah, because maybe Sean, maybe the five isn't going to be available, and Sean's going to have to go further, and, and that's going to affect everything. Or maybe. Um, you know, he gets the five and then deeks us and he comes up here and we think he's leaving. So we start leaving and then he goes back in further and grabs some stuff. And, like, and then we leave and screw him over and Sean gets zero points, which is very Sean. So the last thing I want to talk about is the app. So I did mention that you can play this as a solo game. Uh, you do need the Renegade Game Studio app from the uh, Google Play Store or the App Store which actually allows you to run three different games, Clank, Fuse, and Lanterns. Uh, We've we've played Fuse. That was stressful. Um, (laughs) (laughs)
2: Well, it's not stressful as long as you are open to the idea that we're going to fail miserably without
0: even getting close. Right. That's true. As long as you walk into it knowing that. Anyway, the uh, solo experience with Clank is pretty neat. It gives you a little quest to do, and you need to... Uh, complete those quests and you have sort of a timer on each quest and you have bad things that happen if you don't and you wind up nixing cards from the buy row every turn based on what the app tells you to do. It's fairly decent. I really uh, am impressed with how they integrated that and made this into a solo game. Now, we haven't played it, but we did take a look at what the uh, multiplayer app adds so you can play two three or four you can still play with the app and it adds a lieutenant and i think don you hit the nail right on the head it's basically an expansion because what it does is it tells you to it randomly selects various game conditions like click here when you have generated three clank or click here when you have gotten an artifact or something like that click here when you have six skill that you've spent in a turn and after a while it will start to have bad things happen to you when you have done these things so it'll be like you need to discard all characters from the uh the bi-row. you need to you know the, the dragon attacks that sort of thing so it's fairly decent i, I think it's a, a, a good use of the app i know we just talked about mansions of madness and how maybe that app uh, isn't utilized in the best way, but I feel like the uh, the app here is uh, unobtrusive enough. I mean, Don, you even you even said it right when I showed it to you. It's an app you could set up, put it to the side, and just forget about it as long as you know those three conditions. And oh, and you turn it back on and do whatever it is when you do that condition. You don't need it running in this on the side always. Whereas with the solo game, you you kind of do. So to sum up. Uh, I think, for me, Clank is uh, uh, one of the best games for uh, both experienced gamers looking for a lighter evening and new gamers to experience both deck building and sort of that uh, point-to-point movement aspect that you have, which... Ties in the familiarity of roll and move games where you're going from point A to point B uh, with sort of the newer concept. So I think Clank kind of resonates on both spectrums. Don, you you did state, and I don't think this is an inaccurate statement, it might be a little bit on the complex side if, if the person hasn't played a deck builder before.
2: Absolutely. I mean, the deck builder concept in general can be a little bit difficult. For anybody that's not a deck builder, this is actually on the easy side of deck builders, but it's definitely replacing just the rolling kind of movement with this deck drawing can be a little bit complex for people. But I think in general, two passes through, and it'll be easy enough to get. And it has so much replayability that it's definitely worth the effort.
0: On a scale of 1 to 10, Don, of the games you've played, where would you rank Clank? I don't think we've ever done a 1 to 10 scale before. 1 to 5? What have we done? Well,
2: no, it does, the number doesn't matter. I don't think we do it that way. But this is definitely a really good game. I mean, I still like... Uh, I'd give it the, 7 boots. From the deck builder realm, I think Dominion's still much better. It's got more complexity to it. But this whole... I mean, this is a new thing, right? This deck building, deck building adventure. There are multiple games that are kind of coming into this realm, right? Mm-hmm. So out of all of those I've only played this one but this one does really well um I would never say no to playing this game so I don't know where that sits on a number
0: scale like an 8 I think that's a respectable number uh especially given that sometimes the games that have some uh lower complexity and and you know lower it's not real strategy heavy uh, I think sometimes those can suffer. So, uh, calling this an eight, is something that you would play again any time—that that's some high praise, uh, Sean. I know you haven't played it quite as few. I give times. it seven
1: boots. Seven boots. No, please. you know what? Um, something we didn't touch upon. I it plays quick. Yeah. Like it could drag out, but even a drag out game Ooh. of Clank is not going to be too long. But and,
2: again, with a deck builder thing, people have to know how to do a deck builder for it to play quick. Sure, sure, sure. But if they do, then yes, about, you, it rips. Yeah, yeah.
1: You're coming to the table. It's not It's not something that you have to spend a whole lot of time. I mean, we've had a couple times where we've played it back to back. Yeah. Back-to-neck. Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah, it, it, it does play that that quick. I think for me, uh, you know, to, to give it some sort of a rating, I, I feel like it is a solid eight. Uh, it might even verge a little higher than that, depending on the uh, the group. Um, I think that is a, a, a major, it can be a major consideration with most games, but I think with Clank more so than others, uh, you wind up having a a group dynamic thing, and we've kind of talked about that throughout this review how while you're not necessarily doing player interaction you are having to pay attention to what other players are doing so i could see this being a game that while it is quick normally might drag on if everyone was trying to go really deep into the dungeon to get to the other things and even i i say drag on i don't think it's going to get to the point where you're sick of it i thought you're just making a pun Oh, drag on. Drag on. Yeah. No, I'm not that smart. But I think uh, <clears throat> I think group dynamics are big in this because uh, there's not that big of a gotcha element or a take that element with this. But there is a lot of, uh, you know, you have to really watch your neighbor and see what they're doing. So if you have four people that are kind of not focused on anything else, it can kind of not be as exciting. But also along those
1: lines, I think it's interesting... That, at least from what I've heard, Clank is a game that has, despite its theme, kind of gone under the radar to be appealing to different groups of people that maybe wouldn't appreciate the, like, borderline fantasy element of it, mm. but it's, it's, it's like, simple enough
0: that it's just... Well, I think you remember Laura saying she was immediately turned off by the cover. She yep. doesn't like fantasy elements, the covers of the dragon and the four adventurers, and I uh, didn't like it oh yeah it it's totally unlike what the cover says and that's fine uh, and i don't i mean i don't really have a dog in that fight i look at covers and yeah, yeah. don't care i want to see what the game looks like and how the game plays but i can see how a lot of people would see that cover and be like i'm not playing that game but then you get into it and it's like oh okay this is a fantasy theme i can handle mm-hmm. this is a fantasy theme that's not too much fantasy so yeah, the fact that there are, like, no
2: cards on the cover is kind of weird. I mean, I know it says in big, bold capital letters, a deck-building adventure. But what does that mean? Like, if you don't know, what does that mean? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, the adventure part is what's right. different and vague.
0: All in all, I think the three of us all recommend, four of us, if I count Laura in this, I know she's not with us this evening, but uh, we all recommend Clank highly. Um, Clank is a deck-building adventure by Direwolf and Renegade Games. Uh, it's designed by Paul Denon. I think you should go out, you should find this game, and you should buy it. Definitely. Yeah. Boots. Take me to the room where the black's all white and the white's all black. Take me back. So we reviewed Clank finally, we've been playing that quite a bit, I'm glad we got it uh, got it reviewed. I, I, it's a game I really enjoy. I'm, nothing makes me happier than being wrong about a game, and not that I thought Clank was a bad game, I just didn't have any interest in it to begin with. So I'm really glad that I was able to play it at Granite Game Summit and see that it's a fantastic game. I think it's going to have a lot of life and Renegade's got an easy job. With, with keeping that in stock and, and pushing it out. And then these expansions, you just make a new board, add mm-hmm. a few more cards, bam. You're not really changing the game up all that much, but you're, you're adding good re- replayability. But if they could add that one more thing,
2: that new metric where you're interacting with other people directly, impeding their progress.
0: I think you need to make board game expansions specifically tailored <laughs> to people that want to screw other people over. I don't see how that's not a growth market, right? So we reviewed Clank. We talked about some games that we've been playing recently. We got Don's hot take on Mansions of Madness. His initial impressions. I'd play it again, but Boo wasn't the biggest fan. Our soundboard's very inexpensive, so thanks for uh, filling in on that. <laughs> <laughs> and then bring we, the air horns. Yeah, the uh, and then we we discussed. People that have died. So, so that was that was good. We discussed dead
2: rockers because it's rockers. important, because it's always important to remember.
0: Go out when you're relevant.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's what we got from that.
0: <laughs> Sean, if people want to find you online, where can they go? On the Twitter, it is at seanfrancis. Don, where can people find you? I can be found
2: on the message boards for boardeveryday.com or on Twitter, where no one else finds me at Tekamul Senior
0: T E K A M U L S R. Tekamul Senior, that's right. Don is on Twitter, I believe. Four tweets? Three? Yeah, three. Three tweets. And one was a response about mansions of madness. So But I read a lot. Dude. I read a
2: lot of other things. So if you want, you can follow me, then write your own things, cause then I will follow you and read all your things.
0: There you go. There you and
2: go. really, what else do you
0: want in the world? Don is basically a follow for follow bot. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all I'm looking for in life is someone that will read my thing.
2: Exactly. That is what most people are looking for. They just want to be
0: heard. I am listening. I can be found on Twitter at Bored Every Day. We have an Instagram account, Bored.EveryDay. We had to take the dot, whatever. And you can visit us online, com. Feel free to go to any sort of places where you can rate your review. Maybe I'll set up a Yelp thing. You can Yelp us. So, until next time, I'm Don. I'm Sean. And I'm Dan. Have a great week.